0: Like today, it's really good to have a good team around you. Um, So I want to especially thank the worship team and Scott of Starzik for taking over worship this morning. Um, Because it's good to be able to speak every once in a while. Um, Pastor Ryan asked me a few weeks ago to to speak today, which is good. um, Because I need lots of time to prepare. Yeah, lots of time. So again, welcome. Thanks for being here. Um, So I want to start this morning thinking about this idea in Christian circles churches and small groups, and we, um, we have kind of like certain ways of talking, certain figures of speech, um, kind of things that we say. I've even heard people, people, Christian and non-Christian, they actually speak of it as Christianese, like it's, a, like it's a language. And one of those examples is the idea of our prayer life. Um, and I use quotations because I think some people think this is really confusing, that they, they think you know why would what does, what does prayer life mean right I understand what prayer is it's a thing you do it's a part of being a Christian right but what's this prayer life um, and I think where the where the hiccup is is that prayer really is a lifestyle it is an avenue of experiencing life and so when I think about that when I think of prayer as life and, and therefore communication with our Maker as as this life giving thing. I find myself asking a question, if I know that there are things that God is gonna say yes to, right? If, if I know there's things that I can ask for that the guaranteed answer is yes, I should be praying those things, right? It, it's, it's like a, a guaranteed win and that's really the, the topic of our sermon series right now, it's prayers that God always says yes to. So this morning I get to talk to you about wisdom, um, which seems really, really silly because I feel like it's an area that I kind of struggle that I kind of lack, um, but that's the topic. So, so this morning we'll talk about wisdom. So I think, first of all, we have to kind of delve into, like, we have to define it. We have to understand what is wisdom. And If we're going to talk about it for the next 25 minutes, we have to know what it is. And I think it's actually maybe easier to explain what wisdom is not. So, so let's start there. So something that wisdom is not, um, it's not smarts, it's not intellect, it's not just knowledge on its own. Um, it's not our degree, right, it's not a BA, an MAT, a PhD, a, uh, you know, whatever else I missed in there. All of those, all of those things are, are, can be good things, right? Being smart can be a good thing. Earning those different degrees allows us to do important jobs. So th- those are all good things in and of themselves, but they're all earthly. Right? that's knowledge and like the wisdom of the earth. So what we're talking about today is wisdom from above. And this wisdom is not something that we can create. It's not something we can earn, but it's a gift from God. So I think we have to start from there. The wisdom we're talking about this morning, I can't create it, you can't create it, we can't earn it, as much as that frustrates some of us, but it's a gift from God. So the song you heard during an offertory for just a little while, um, it's by a group called Shane and Shane. Believe it or not, the two people in the group are Shane and Shane, Um, but they've got a lot of really great songs, and that that one's super simple. It it literally has like a dozen words in the entire song, but it says, get over the sun where life is hidden, and and I think it really summarizes pretty well this idea of wisdom that under the sun, as Solomon said, it's it's referring to Solomon, we can't find wisdom under the sun on earth. It's not here. What they're saying is get over the sun. Look to God, and that's where wisdom can be found. So that's where we're going to start from today, this idea that wisdom is from above. It's not from down below. It's not something I can create or manufacture, but it's a gift from God given through the Holy Spirit. So with that, with some kind of clarity about what wisdom is, I want to pick up like right where Pastor Ryan left off last week, with the truth that God wants us to ask for good things. He wants us to ask for wisdom. Let's read James, verse, James chapter 1, verse 5. It says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Right, it's a home run. God desires to lavishly put godliness upon us. He would never say no to a prayer like wisdom. So here's your first fill-in-the-blank for the morning, or I should say the first part. It's kind of a long one. If the ask is wisdom, God will give generously. That's a promise. If the ask is wisdom, God will give generously. But there's, there's something about God's character that um, I hate it and I love it. It's frustrating, but, it, but, but it's, it's so good. And it's this, that God continually, he perfectly intertwines his divine intervention with our free will. There's like this kind of weird, I will not even call it a marriage. It's just this like intertwining of those two things. Uh, for example... excuse me best example I can think of Christ on the cross right human beings we have this condition right we're born sinners we sin we are eternally separated from God and boom solution Jesus Christ enters the world lives a righteous life is crucified on the cross God creates the perfect solution for sin but is everyone on earth a Christian? is everyone on earth saved by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ? no because we have to choose it, right? So God's, in, God's divine intervention is there, but we have a choice to make. <clears throat> and God does that in all sorts of areas of life. So I guess what I'm getting at is we have to choose to want God. We have to choose to want the things of him. So we have to read a little bit further in James. So let's go back to James 1, and let's read some more verses here. So again, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But, it's a big but here, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Um, I love the language in James. Like It, it just does not be around the bush. Kind of says it exactly how it is, so I think when we read these verses together, we can 't ignore that there 's a big there 's a when. so if we continue with your fill in the blank, God will give generously when we do not doubt and when we genuinely desire it. So those are two things we have to look at is doubt and desire, because that 's when God will generously give wisdom so let 's move over to proverbs. Um, we're a better place to, to look to learn about wisdom. So let's read Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 8. It says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom, notice all the verbs, turning your ear to wisdom and wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So again, here it is again, right? See all the verbs, all the things that if, when we do these things, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. It's like, uh, it's like my dad always said, and unfortunately I am not. No, it's a fortunate thing. I, I love my father, but I am so much like him, which made me really kind of reject the things that he used to say. But something he always said was, you got to want it, right? was just talking about baseball, wrestling, schoolwork. My relationship with Christ, he said, you got to want it, right? If, if you seek it, right, it will be given. Uh, I, I have to kind of take an aside, and I don't know that this will connect with everyone, but I think for a lot of people it will. Something I really struggle with when I read this is, is I realize there's, there's work that I have to do. And, and I'm not afraid of work at all, but I start to doubt myself, I start to question, like, do I really do these things? Do I turn my ear to wisdom? Do I apply my heart to understanding? Do I cry out for insight and understanding? Do I look for it as for silver and gold, AKA money? And I start to really challenge myself, which, which is a good thing, but then I start to, like, I start this, like, internal doubt, and it becomes this, this kind of fight, this battle. So I guess I, I want to go two ways with this. First of all, is this, and I think most importantly, is looking internally is valuable. Seeking to know my own heart, our own hearts, is valuable, but I think what we have to remember is that God is judge. And what he thinks of us is the most important, especially when we don't have the, the right view of ourselves. So if you're someone like me that maybe struggles with these things and you think, gosh, I'll never, I'll never attain wisdom, I'll never be given wisdom because I don't do these things, that could be true. But I also want to encourage you to let God decide if your desire is genuine, because he's the giver. Now, that said, I think there are things in our life that we can look to as evidence of that desire, right? So there, there are, I think, ways that we can search ourselves. It's kind of like the idea that from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Like, you're going to say what's in your heart, or the fruit of the Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, certain things will be true of your life. So I think our actions and our reactions can attest to our desire for wisdom, so if I, wanna, if I really want to know, am I desiring wisdom? Is my desire genuine? I have to look at what's happening in my life, what I'm doing. And I think the primary piece of evidence is prayer. Am I praying often, regularly? Is my relationship with God strong in that way? And then I have to ask, what am I praying about? What is the focus of that prayer? So I have to look at my prayer life. Do I listen? I'm not a good listener sometimes. Do I listen to what God is trying to tell me? Then the other thing I think we can look at is our relationship with other people because if if we claim to desire wisdom but the way that we treat others is unjust or cruel or selfish, I think that's a point where we have to step back and say, hmm, am I truly turning my ear, crying aloud, am I truly searching? Um, Because the evidence there would be against us, right, if we're not in good relationship with, with others. So the long story long is that as we ask for wisdom, the heart behind the ask is very, very important. And while God knows our heart, I think we have to try to know our hearts as well. And we have to look at our actions. What we actually do. For our desire will be proven by our actions. So as I prepared for today, I, I'm a why guy. Like I, I have a really hard time following through with things if I, if I don't get the why. And so I had to ask myself, as I said, so why, why is Pastor Ryan asking me to preach on wisdom? Why is this such a big deal? And, and honestly, my natural inclination, like, I value wisdom. I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm logical, I'm very calculated in my thinking, but not everyone is that way. Like, my wife is maybe a perfect example. So I'm thinking, why is this such a hot topic, biblically? Why is it such a big deal? And as I was reading through Proverbs, right, and hearing how wisdom is compared to all these beautiful, amazing things, gold and silver and riches... And then we look at James, this like power-packed book of just like meat to chew on and and apply in your life. Wisdom is a big deal in in James. And so I think I found the answer to the why question in Proverbs. Again, in chapter 2, I just had to read a little bit further. So let's read verses 9 through 12. It says this. Then you will understand, this is if you're seeking wisdom, if you're crying aloud for understanding. Then you will understand... What is right and just and fair? Every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart. Let's take a moment there. Notice that wisdom will enter your heart. It's a gift. It's given. And knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men. from men whose words are perverse. I think this gives a really clear picture that wisdom is not about knowledge. It's about righteousness. Wisdom's not about knowledge. It's about righteousness. It's about leading a life that's pleasing before God. See, what I often chalk up to, like being a good person or knowing right from wrong because that's what my parents taught me, which, which they did, the reason that I'm able to stumble my way through a Christ-centered life is because God has given wisdom. The Holy Spirit is in me and it allows me to even try to be righteous. I think we're all in that boat. On our own, we can't do it. And I think that's why wisdom is such a big deal because it's a gift from God. Because right? on our own, what are we? We're sinners. Right? We were born sinners, thanks a bunch, Adam. But also, like, I have to own my own sin as well. So left to my own, I'm a sinner. There's, there's no two ways about that. But through God's wisdom, I can live a righteous life. So here's your next fill-in-the-blank. Wisdom from God is so important because it empowers righteousness. So our mission as a church, and this is not just New Hope, but in general the church, is to help people find and follow Jesus, right? So the the, the formula, I love it. The formula is real simple. Find Jesus, have an encounter, and follow him. So as we do that, well, let's look at Jesus. And Jesus was very clearly described as a wise man. In Luke, we're told that as Jesus grew, he was filled with wisdom. Even as a child, people were, were, were noticing this, this like this wisdom that wasn't of the earth. And then Matthew and Mark, they both give account of people being amazed by Jesus' wisdom as he spoke and as he, as he preached. And they were asking, where could this come from? Where could this come from? Well, we, we kind of have the, you know, we've got the twenty twenty like 1,000 foot view. We know where it came from. It came from the Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and therefore he was filled with wisdom and he was able to live justly before God and minister to others. So to live more like Jesus is to walk in wisdom. And isn't that what we're trying to do? Aren't we trying to follow Jesus? So to live more like him, we have to walk in wisdom. So, wisdom is one of those things that um, I think it could be really hard to grasp. Right? It's kind of this, like, like what we've already said. Like, it's this gift from God. I can't really earn it. Like, what is what is wisdom? Um, so, I'm going to compare it to math, which a couple of my students that were here last. Service like, like, oh, Mr. Parker, why'd you have to bring up math? Because I think it's a good example, and it's what I know. But it's kind of this idea, like, as I teach math, I, I, I want students to understand the whys. Right? Why does multiplication work? Well, it's repeated addition. Okay, like, I want them to understand why when I divide a fraction, I have to multiply by the reciprocal. Right? The why is really important, but that's the stuff that's kind of hard to understand sometimes. Sometimes we, we just have to grow into it. But still, there's there's like the procedures, right? There's the division algorithm. There's the fact that when you divide by a fraction, you multiply by the reciprocal. There's those like procedural things that that what they do is they summarize the deeper concept, right? They're, They're the kind of steps that we can follow that like point to this deeper relationship between numbers. And I think we can do that with wisdom. While I think it is kind of a hard thing to understand, maybe there are very specific things we can look for in our life that point to wisdom or evidence of wisdom, So let's look at some of those. The first is this, fear of the Lord. I want to read a quote by William Eisenhower that I thought was, um, it was at least thought provoking for me, so let's read that together. It says, unfortunately, many of us presume that the world is the ultimate threat and that God's function is to offset it. But how different is this from the biblical position that God is far scarier than the world? When we assume that the world is the ultimate threat, we give it unwarranted power, for in truth, the world's threats are temporary. When we expect God to balance the stress of the world, we reduce him to the world's equal. As I walk with the Lord, I discover that God poses an ominous threat to my ego, but not to me. He rescues me from my delusions so he may reveal the truth that sets me free. He casts me down only to lift me up again. He sits in judgment of my sin, but forgives me nevertheless. And let's focus right here. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but love from the Lord is its completion. I feel like that like that line alone, like there could be a whole sermon on the first part and a whole sermon on the second part. But let's focus, because we're talking about wisdom right now, it says fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So he makes very plain that Fear of the Lord is an important idea, and if I want to know if wisdom is something that I'm desiring and that's, that's genuinely a part of my life, I can look there. Do I fear the Lord? Now, we have to dig into that, too, though, because what, what does fear mean, right? We just did a whole sermon series about fear, and one of those Christianese sayings is fear is a liar, and so I think we have to really clearly understand what does it mean to fear God, to fear the Lord. Um... So maybe I'll say this: Just as God is not a cosmic vending machine where we can just ask for what we want, push in the button, and it comes out, which is actually pretty amazing. <laughs> Will Will got his first snack from a vending machine a couple weeks ago, and he was so amazed by the the idea that you just like you just push the buttons and the skittles fall out, and then he couldn't find where the skittles went, and he really got anyway. It, it was that's not God, that's not God, but also God is not this like overarching like beat you down, kind of cosmic drill sergeant either. That, that, that's not can, the kind of fear I think we're talking about here. But maybe I can give some examples. It, it's like this. What does it look like to be God-fearing? Well, maybe if I'm making a choice in my life, maybe it's, maybe it's about a career change, maybe it's about how to handle a relational situation, what's my first reaction? What's, my, what's the first thing I do? Is God where I go first, or is God an afterthought? Because if God's an afterthought, then I clearly am not fearing him. I am not seeing clearly that he is, he is the maker, he is the creator, he is, he is the all-powerful being. If he's an afterthought, clearly I, I'm not living in fear of the Lord. Maybe another example, as I'm dealing with temptation, if my last resort is to, once I've fallen into the pit, to ask God to pull me out, while I, while I should while I should confess sin and be asking like, for redemption from God, if, if my first... Response when I'm tempted is not to look to him for salvation from that. I think, again, that's evidence that I'm I'm not living in fear of the Lord. So I think we have to understand what that means to fear the Lord. I think it means to put him first. And then that's important because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So that's one thing we can look for in our lives as evidence of wisdom. Here's another one. Wisdom looks like clarity and conviction. So during the first sermon of the series, so I guess a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Ryan, the prayer that God will always say yes to is the prayer for the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Ryan talked about how the Holy Spirit convicts. And I think conviction and wisdom are almost synonymous. They almost mean the same thing. Because both of them are are this understanding of what isn't right and what should be done. And conviction, and then action on that conviction, produces righteousness, just as wisdom produces righteousness. So another reason to pray for the Holy Spirit and to welcome his conviction is because that's how we're made wiser, is when we're convicted by the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I think it's interesting, like, um, I like to imagine sometimes, like, what if, what if I could sit down with God and just say, just put it on me, like, ex- explain it all. I'm not going to ask questions. You just, you start from the beginning and you go through the end, and I'm just going to soak it up. Wouldn't that be the biggest waste of time that God could possibly? Like, which is kind of funny because God exists outside of time anyway, which is, like, the whole point. Like, I don't get that either. But, but, but for God to sit down and, like, try to explain everything to me and, like, make me wise about everything, it would be futile. I wouldn't get it. None of us would. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. But he gives glimpses. There are things that God, he lets us in on that we can understand. So as we pray for wisdom, we should expect that God will answer, and part of his answer will be clarity. He will give clarity in certain situations. So whether we're choosing what to do in our career, whether we're dealing with a hard situation in our family, if we're praying for wisdom and we're genuinely desiring wisdom, we can expect to have clarity and conviction. So another thing I think that we can look at in our lives as evidence of wisdom is good deeds done in humility. Let's read James 3.13. It starts with a rhetorical question, which I love. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from, it is, wisdom. I would, I would hate to be the person that says, who is wise in understanding among you? I, oh, okay, you didn't actually want a response. Because right? he answers his own question. He says, don't tell me who is wise. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So I think there's, there's kind of two, two really important things we have to pull out. One one I think we've already touched on, and it's that a, a good life flows from a place of wisdom that's marked by humility. So humility is important. And then almost, almost like the circular reasoning, humility is the result of wisdom. From wisdom comes humility. So there's this, like, they're, they're intertwined. Humility and wisdom um, are very, very closely related. And humility, I think, is a challenging thing because I think we get this idea that we have to manufacture humility. Like, we have to create it in our lives, right? I have to be humble because I can't be prideful, right? And, well, I'll, I'll just be, I guess, bluntly honest. Like, pride is something that I struggle with a lot and, and, and have my entire life. And I think what I've done is, is I've, I've recognized, like, yeah, I'm pretty proud of myself. There's certain things that, like, I'm really pretty impressed with myself, and I want people to see that. I, I want that to elevate me in their minds. I, I want that approval and that, like, building up of, of by men. But I know that's pride, and I can't be prideful. I have to be humble. So what I do is I act humble. Notice humility isn't what defines me; it's an action. And I think that's maybe kind of a convoluted deal. Like, I think a lot of, a lot of that comes from, like, habit. Like, as a kid, I was incredibly self-conscious. Um, my, I, I was not seeing my, my identity in Christ. And so I relied very heavily on what other people thought of me. And so I wanted praise, and I needed that, like, acceptance. But then I would kind of downplay it, too, because I wanted to be humble at the same time. And so, and I, I still find myself here. I find myself trying to appear humble, and thinking that I really am, because I've like convinced myself of that. But as James clearly says, humility doesn't come from me. We can't create our own humility. Where does it come from? Wisdom. And wisdom comes from God. So this, this good life, this life of good deeds done in humility, that humility comes from God through wisdom. So as a result of the kind of the, kind of the pride issue... Um, I started memorizing Jeremiah 9.23 as a kind of result of last sermon series. Um, Pride was a lie that I continue to believe in my life. So I've been memorizing Jeremiah 9.23. So let's read that together. We're actually going to read 23 and 24. But it says, Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, and let not the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But the one that boasts, let them boast in this, That they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these things I delight. So, the one thing that I can boast about justly is knowledge of God. After that, wisdom and humility come from Him. It can't be created by me. We cannot create humility or righteousness in our lives. So, this is why. Good deeds lived out in humility is a sign of wisdom because it can only come from God and the Holy Spirit working in us. So one more thing that we can look at as evidence of wisdom in our lives and it's focus on the good of others. And here we're going to read James three seventeen and 18. I feel like this whole, I could have just put a bunch of scripture on the screen and said, read it, meditate, pray, done. Like, I feel like me even saying anything is like, okay, I guess I'll try to rephrase what the verse says. But there's so much good scripture about that. So let's read James again. It says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, so he's going to kind of explain what it looks like. It's first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And I love this line. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Right, so if we make an if we make an investment in peace, the harvest, the return will be righteousness. So I, I think it's good to kind of look at the characteristics of wisdom that are listed there. And then isn't it kind of interesting that aren't those the very things that would be important for our relationships with other people? Right? If my relationships with others are pure. Peace-loving, if I'm considerate and submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, if I'm impartial and sincere, aren't my relationships going to probably look a lot like the, guy, the way that God would intend? So I, I think there's, there's a connection, too, there that's maybe for another day. But I like how the verse comes full circle for us, too, though. It points out that wisdom is about righteousness. If I live in wisdom, the harvest is Righteousness. So the idea is that those who live their life in God's wisdom are empowered to live righteously. And that wisdom is promised to those who walk humbly and ask faithfully. So those that walk humbly and ask faithfully, wisdom is promised. So as as Jill was listening to this for probably the fifth time, which the sermon's like 28 minutes, not that I timed it, but um, and she had to listen to it like four or five times, uh, which I'll let my math students do the math, but that's a lot of minutes. Um, she, she said, you know, yeah, Gabe, that's, that's like really good. Like there's, there's a lot of good thinking, you know, things I haven't really thought about. And she says, but like, what do people do with it? Like what's the, what's the action? And that's the, sometimes that's kind of my downfall. So, so here's some action, right? Like when we leave today, if we've learned anything about wisdom, about what it is and what it looks like, here's what we can do. The first is this. you got to find, where, where am I lacking wisdom? What area of my life? Is it my job? Is it at home? Is it with my friends at church? Is it wherever? Like, Think about all the areas of your life and seek for and ask God to show you where are you lacking wisdom? Where are you not living in righteousness? Where do you not have clarity? Where are you not living in fear of the Lord? Look for those things. And when you find them, then you have to do something about them which maybe sometimes that's why we don't want to find them. But when you find those areas where you're lacking wisdom, pray. Right? That's the whole point. Pray and ask for wisdom because God is going to give it. Right? So maybe it's at work. Maybe you're considering a your career change, and maybe you got you got different ways you could go. Maybe it's an ethical situation, right? And you're struggling. You need clarity, you need conviction, you need wisdom. Ask for wisdom. Maybe it's at home. You're trying to repair your relationship with the spouse or you're trying to support your teenager as they walk through the gauntlet of high school and all just the injustice and like muck that goes with that. Maybe you're trying to deal with your four-year-old who doesn't understand her own emotions any more than you do. You need clarity. You need wisdom. Ask for it. Ask for it. He wants to give it. The hardest yet, maybe it's within. Anger, jealousy, pride, fear, lust. Notice how I don't have to look at my paper to rattle those off. Ask for wisdom in all those things and God is gonna give it. He wants us to live righteously. He he is not going to ignore the prayer for wisdom in those areas. So the second action step you can take is, is pray for wisdom. And then finally, this is something that I overlook a lot. Recognize what God has already done. Praise him for that. So if you see wisdom in your life, right, look for those things. If if you see that in this area, I'm living in fear of the Lord. I have clarity and conviction. I'm living in humility, genuine humility from God. I'm focused on others. Those are signs of wisdom. And thank God for that because that's from him. We know that. That's a gift from him. So recognize that. So those are three things we can do. So I think if we develop a pattern in our life, a lifestyle of doing those three things, seeking for where you lack wisdom, asking for it, and recognizing where, he, where it's been given. We're going to look a lot more like Jesus. And, and isn't that the point? To look a lot more like Jesus? So as, as we wrap up here, um, worship team, if you want to come up, I'll invite you to do that. I always appreciate when Pastor Ryan gives that cue, so I'm going to make sure I do it too. So as they're making their way up, I, I, th- I think this is maybe what we need to focus on. We'll end with it. The reason that God is always going to say yes to the prayer for wisdom is because he wants each and every one of us to live righteously and look more like his son. That's it. So God's always going to say yes to wisdom because wisdom leads to righteousness. And when we're living righteously, we look a lot more like Jesus. Let's pray together this morning um, and then we'll, we'll close the service and worship. Father in heaven, Lord, um, I guess I want to first thank you for the opportunity to speak this morning and, and just thank you for the way that you provide scripture. Um, that really there's, there's so little that we have to manufacture or make up, God, that, that it's, it's there. Um, we just have to read it and dig into it. So Lord, thank you for your word. Um, thank you for, for revealing yourself in that way. And God, we, we recognize that you, you are the wise one, right? You are the only wise king. Our Maker, our Creator, you're above and outside of everything that we know. And we just ask for little glimpses of that. God, that as we genuinely seek you and desire to understand and know you, that you would bless us with wisdom. Lord, that you would provide clarity um, in situations that are hard uh, and convict us where we need to be convicted. Lord, we we welcome that and we pray for that because we want to be wise. And not not for our own benefit, but God, we want to be wise. Because that's the only way that we can live righteous lives. We can't do it on our own. And we want to look more like Jesus. We want to follow your son, live righteously, and we need your wisdom to do it. So God, please move in us. Show us where we're not wise, and Lord, Lord empower us to ask for it. And then to wait for your answer, because you will say yes. God, thanks for this morning. We want to confess our love for you, Lord, and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ and we pray in his name. Amen. Would you please stand and worship?
1: of